Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 27 Psalm. This is our third lesson in this series. The title of it is Overcoming Adversity and Trouble. Overcoming adversity and trouble. Overcoming it. Not letting it overcome you. So in the 27th Psalm, let's begin reading from verse 1. The psalmist said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, <clears throat> he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. So in the time of trouble, we see that the Lord will be our refuge. He's declared what he'll do if we would do what he's declared for us to do. So when adversity and trouble surmount against you, you need to know that the Father said He will be to you a refuge. He will be to you a hiding place. He will be to you a shelter. He'll be with you in trouble. He'll deliver you from that trouble. He'll be your defense in that trouble. He'll be the glory and the lifter of your head in that trouble. The Father said, I'll do all these things for you when trouble comes your way. Now, we saw that in our previous lessons. In the first verse, we found out that the believer is to know that the Lord is his light. And light stands for wisdom and understanding to give guidance and direction so that the believer can walk in the right path. When trouble or confusion comes your way, sometimes we don't know which way to go. Darkness is surrounding us. There are many roads to take. And our understanding wants to take different roads. But the light is only on one road. And if we were to find the wisdom of God and, and know the knowledge of God and have the understanding as to what step we should take next, then truly the, the word would be to you a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And the step that you take would not be a step further into trouble, but it would be your step out of trouble. Amen? And so that's why wisdom is the highest order. We know how to get out of trouble. We know how to really have victory and overcome before we're taken in by that trouble. So that's why wisdom should be... Well, don't, if you read the book of, of Proverbs, you'll find out it says, of, of all you're getting, get wisdom and understanding. So you need to get wisdom and you need to get understanding. Because if we have the wisdom of God in every situation and know what God would do in every situation and do what God would do in every situation, God does not fail. Amen? So the Father will not be defeated. And if we'll follow His footsteps, praise God, we can also walk in victory. I think the best verse I can give you to sum up what we said about Him being our light would be the 119th Psalm, verse 105, where He said that Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let me give you one more scripture that you can look up before we go on. In Proverbs, the 6th chapter and verse 23, you add this to your list of scriptures. <clears throat> now, the Word over there in the 119th Psalm, verse 105, when it said, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, the word lamp is the word candle. Thy word is a candle unto my feet. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Thou will light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Amen? 
Do you see how the Word is showing us that direction comes into the spirit of man by the Word of God? When that Word comes into our spirit, it brings light. The entrance of thy Word giveth light, direction, guidance, wisdom, counsel, understanding, so we can walk in the ways of the Lord. Now over here in Proverbs, the sixth chapter, in verse 23, look what it says. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is what? And reproofs of instruction are the what? If you're going to walk in any way, you want to walk in the way of life, not the way of death. Amen? If you're walking in the ways of life, what's, it, what's in the path of life? What's the Proverbs 12, chapter, verse 28 say? In the pathway of the righteous, there is life and there is no death. So in my path is life and there is no death. So if you're walking in the way of life, no death is in front of you. Death is not going to have power over you. Death and life we found is in the power of the tongue. The tongue speaks God's word from the heart. Right? Okay. Now notice it says the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. The commandment... Well, let's, before we get to that, let's say this. Success, we saw in Joshua 1.8, comes from meditation in God's Word and, and doing God's Word, right? Success is born out of wisdom. And wisdom is born out of love. And the commandment that he's talking about here is the commandment of the new covenant. And that commandment is the commandment of what? And the law of the new covenant is the law of what? Love. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, even as I, as I have loved you. The law of the new covenant is the law of love. It's the love law. So success is born out of wisdom and wisdom is born out of God's love. Walking in God's love is walking in God's wisdom. Now let's go on to the next step. We introduced this and then we had to leave it because we ran out of time this morning. So what we're going to do is we're going to expand from where we left off. And uh, let's go to the book of Romans. Well, no, let's, let's not go that far yet. Let's get back to Exodus, the 14th chapter, read 13 14 again. Let's just go over those few scriptures for the sake of those that, have not, that were not with us this morning. And let's read Exodus 14, 13 and 14 again. And we'll go from there and we'll follow up on what the psalmist said in the 27th Psalm, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. So the first thing you need to do in, in, in time of trouble is to run to the Word of God to get light or direction. The next thing you need to know is that He is your salvation. The Lord is your salvation. Now look at what he said over here in verses 14, 13 and 14. Chapter 14, 13 and 14. Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Fear ye not. Stand still. And see the what? Salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. A lot of people never see a salvation because they don't stand still before God and they fear. But notice he said, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation. They never see their salvation. He wants to show you his salvation. Did you know that? With long life will he satisfy you and show you his salvation? Now this we said is a twofold deliverance. And salvation, the word salvation is an all-inclusive word. It denotes not only immediate deliverance from spiritual death at the time of the new birth. I think that's the, the majority of your ministers today will tell you that, that that just means immediate deliverance from the powers of darkness at the time of the new birth. Well, that's true, but that's only part of the word salvation. It means deliverance, preservation, soundness, wholeness, healing. All those things are involved in that all-inclusive word salvation. Okay? So stand still, fear not, and you'll see the salvation of the Lord. Your salvation. So the first part of their salvation was the fact that they were delivered from the Egyptian bondage, which is a type of our deliverance from Satan's bondage. Right? Okay. The second part of their salvation, they're about to see. They were delivered from, from the Egyptian bondage, but the Egyptians were following them to try to destroy them. And they began, everybody in the, in the congregation began to get fearful. You remember before when they stood before the Red Sea, they didn't know what to do. Moses looked up to God and says, Dear Lord, and the Lord says, Why are you crying unto me? Right? He says, why are you crying unto me? you got the rod in your hand. Use it. Let me say this to you, friends. We've been delivered from Satan's power. And a lot of people are begging and crying and squalling to God to get delivered from the, the trouble that surrounds them. But you know what he's saying to you today? 
Why are you crying unto me? You got the rod, use it. Same thing he said to Moses. Why are you crying unto me? You got the rod, use it. The rod stands for the Word. Jesus is the Word. Just as they were delivered from Egyptian bondage, we've been delivered from Satan's bondage. Just as uh, the Egyptians tried to destroy their lives afterwards, so is Satan still trying to destroy your life in this world, since you're still in this world. But blessed be God, all we've got to do is stand still and know how to use the salvation of the Lord. Now that's what he said right here. And look at what he said he'd do. I'll show you the salvation and the Egyptian whom you've seen today, you shall see them no more, again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you. Now I like that. Don't you? The Lord shall fight for you and, and you shall hold your peace. Now go to the 91st Psalm. 91st Psalm. And uh, we begin reading with verse 14. Where he said, Because you set your love upon me. This is what he's saying he will do for you because you set your love upon him. Now when you set your love upon him, you were delivered from the powers of Satan, right? Who delivered you from the authority of darkness and translated you to the kingdom of the Son of his love. Okay. Because you set your love upon him, he says, Therefore will I deliver you. There's your first deliverance. You are delivered when you set your love upon Him from Satan's bondage. Right? Now, I will set Him on high because He knows my name. He will call upon me. I will answer Him. Here's the next part of that. I will be with Him in trouble and do what? There's your second full deliverance. See, when the devil attacks you from the rear like the Egyptians were coming... Well, the Lord says, I'll be with you in that trouble and deliver you. But look at the last part of this. Verse 16. With long life will I satisfy you and show you my what? See, someone said, you know, friends, people, I don't know where they get their intellect. But they said, That's, that long life does not mean long life on the earth. That long life means long life in heaven. How silly can a person be Eternal life is forever. Isn't it? Does he think we're either we're simple or something that he's going to say long life and meant long life in heaven? Long life will I satisfy you. Beloved, if you're in heaven, you're going to be there forever. In eternity. Now, I'd say that's long life, wouldn't you? No, it was talking about long life on the earth. Right? In the book of Ephesians, that's in the New Testament, what did he say? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right on your mother and your father, which is the first commandment of promise, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. Amen. Amen? So the long life he's talking about is long life on the earth. What long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? He'll have to show me his salvation up there. I'll be in it. Show it to me down here. I've seen it in my spirit from Satan's bondage, but now I want to walk in the earth and let him show me his salvation. Now, let's go to the Book of Romans, the 10th chapter, we'll catch up to where we left off. We're just begun. <laughs> because in order to uh, appropriate the salvation of Jehovah, one must understand His order of deliverance. One must understand God's way and system of delivering us from the adversary. Now, if we're going to reject this and reject this knowledge, he says, I'll reject you. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge. And because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will reject you. I don't want to be rejected of the Lord. God, resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. Humble yourself before the almighty hand of God and let Him lift you up and exalt you. Amen? So I am not going to refute this I'm going to give it to you like it is. And, and I said this before. If you don't understand this or believe this, you sit around and, and you'll have to tell me one of two things. Either you're dishonest or you're ignorant of God's Word. If you don't believe in, in the power of confession of God's Word when we get through this. Amen. Now, there are those going around today that actually they get appalled and they get, they get upset when you talk about positive confession of God's Word. Because they don't understand it. Or they're not sincere with God. But if you'll follow this teaching here, you'll understand how to vindicate yourself in any time of trouble through God's system 
of deliverance through his word system. Now, he said over here in the 8th verse, But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith that we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? First, salvation. Okay. Deliverance from uh, Satan's bondage. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto what? Preservation, deliverance, healing, safety, the new birth. Now, that's God's way. Now, in the 46th Psalm, don't turn there. He, it says, The Lord, the Father God, is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We said that God is in His Word. Jesus is the Word. How many of you know that? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things are made by Him, and without Him was not made anything made that was made. Right? So, Jesus is the Word. Back there in verse 6, He said, Who's going to, you don't have to say who's going to ascend up to heaven to pull Christ down or go down to the deep to bring Him up. But what saith that the Word is nigh thee? Jesus is the Word and He's near you. A very present help in trouble in your mouth and in your heart. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is in His Word. Now grab a hold of this. As Satan is in His Word, so Jesus is in His Word. And the Father watches over His Word to perform it and Satan watches over his word to perform it. When fear comes, you better believe it's the forerunner of calamity. And calamity is close behind. But when faith comes, it's the forerunner of blessing. And blessings are on the way. So when fear comes to your door, you better believe that calamity is on its way. But when you grab a hold of the shield of faith and you begin to speak the word of God, your help is present with you in that time of adversity and trouble. And blessings are on the way. Now, this is God's order of deliverance. It's the confession of our heart and mouth. To understand the salvation and the deliverance that comes by the Word of God and how to conquer in the time of trouble, you have got to understand that we must speak God's Word from our heart in order for God to deliver us and rescue us in our time of trouble. And not only do you got to speak God's word from your heart in the time of trouble, but you need to make a habit of continually confessing God's word. Now, Christianity is called the great confession in Hebrews 3.1. Consider the high priest and apostle of our confession, Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 4 and 14, we are told to hold fast to our what? The confession of our faith. Hold fast to our confession. Now, your confession or your profession is the deliverance from Satan's bondage. Your initial confession is the fact that you have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated to the kingdom of His Son, right? Alright, so we are to hold fast to that confession. What's the confession? Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Colossians 1.12 and translated us to the kingdom of His Son. Matter of fact, let's put it this way. Moses and the Israelites could have said, who has delivered us out of Satan's bond, or out of Egypt's, Egypt's bondage and held fast to their confession of the fact that they were delivered from them. And they did at first and took off and they began to just sing and shout. But when they got into adversity and trouble and the Red Sea was before them and the mountains surrounded them all about, and they didn't have any way of getting any kind of escape. They began to cry unto the Lord. And the Lord said, you got the rod, use it. Don't cry unto me. So he took the rod and part of the Red Sea and the waters were congealed. And they went across on dry ground. And the enemy came and followed them and pursued them like a dummy that he is. Amen. And the water covered them. And that's the water of God's Word. God's Word will destroy the enemy anytime. If they would have held hold fast to their confession of their faith of being delivered and knew that they didn't have to fear the Egyptians. That's what Moses said, fear ye not. But it seems like every time the devil sticks his head up around any corner, believers get all kind of, you know, afraid and full of fear and that sort of thing. And they don't, they don't understand where the deliverance is going to come from. Well, you sit tight and you're going to find out where your deliverance is coming from. You've got to hold fast to, the, to your confession of deliverance. Matter of fact, 
in the 107th Psalm, verse 2, he says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I'm going to hold fast to that fact that I'm redeemed. Right? Have you been redeemed? So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say it with me. I am redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. Satan has no power over me because I overcome evil with good. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And he that is in me is the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And there's no force of darkness that can defeat them. And I am in them. And they are in me. So I will not be defeated. I am more than a conqueror. Through him that loves me, I'm free. See? You're to hold fast to that confession. Not just when the breeze is blowing. And everything is all nice and the sun is shining. But when the mountains begin to tumble and the storms of life begin to come and all adversity comes and trouble seems to be on every corner and every side, you are to say the same thing. That is called confession of God's Word. It's called saying the same thing. Now, how can two walk together except they be agreed? You want to walk on the same path that Jesus walked, but you don't want to agree with His Word. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask what you will, shall be done unto you. You've got to agree with God's Word. God's Word says that you are more than a conqueror in Him. You are a world overcomer. God's Word says that He causes you to triumph in every situation. Think about that. But you walk off and say, but we can't do it. We can't do it. Yeah, that's exactly what uh, the ten spies went out and said before the land of Canaan. And when they said it, they couldn't do it. They didn't get it done. But Joshua and Caleb says, we can do it. Let's go up at once and possess the land because, bless God, we can do it. God's on our side. Hallelujah. And they went in. You see, it took a little time, but they went in and possessed their land. And Caleb, after 45 years, got his land, got his mountain, and walked in the full strength that he had when he was 85 years old as he had when he was 40 years old. We're going to get to that a little bit later in this series. Now, some, let, me, let me say something else. You also got to hold fast to your confession of the fact that you've been healed. Seems like to me people don't understand this, but the Bible doesn't never promise to us in the New Testament that God will heal you, but it always says that He has already healed you. With His stripes you were healed, right? First Peter 2.24 Who his own self bear our sins in his own body in the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, and with His stripes we are healed, or ye were healed. So if ye are, were healed, then ye are healed. We're to hold fast to that confession of our faith. Some people say, I've been prayed for everywhere and never get my healing. It's because you're not holding fast to the confession of your faith. You have been healed. Psalm 107 and verse 20 says He sent His Word and healed them. The Word came. It's Jesus. And your help and trouble is very near you. It's in your heart and mouth. If you just speak it out and declare it and say that it's so, it's so, it'll be so. You'll be vindicated. You'll be healed. You'll be delivered and set free. So God's order of delivering His people, of His salvation for His people from troubles and afflictions and calamities that come our way is found in, in the confession of His Word because He lives in His Word. Let me say it like this. The word on your lips is as the rod in the hand of Moses. The word in your mouth is as the strength of Samson before his hair was removed. But the word of the adversary on your lips is as Samson shorn. Same person, no strength. And every time calamity and adversity comes your way and you act on the word of the adversary, you're a Samson with no strength. But when you rise up in the word of God and put the word upon your lips, you become a superman like Samson. And you conquer over the evil one and over the enemy and over the adversary. Now that's just God's way. And I'm going to show it to you. If you don't believe it, if you don't believe it after this, there's going to be something wrong. I'll pray for you. Come up to the altar and we'll get you saved. Proverbs, the sixth chapter. See, confession is involved in God's plan of deliverance. Now, I want to show you these scriptures for yourself. People want to know why that they're getting caught in Satan's traps. Well, here's some key scriptures you need to know. Proverbs 6, 2. Thou art snared by the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken by the words of your mouth. One translation says, 
you have been taken captive by the words of your mouth. Proverbs 21 and verse 23. Just I, I, I'm not going to get in depth on this because we won't have time to take every one of these in depth. But every one of these points we're making is uh, probably a seminar in itself. 21-23. Whoso keepeth his tongue, keepeth his soul from what? Huh? From what? Say it again. Whoso keepeth his mouth, keepeth his soul from what? See? You got in trouble because you didn't watch your mouth. God's Word wasn't in your heart. But the person that keeps his mouth will keep his soul from troubles. So when trouble comes your way, just keep your mouth and you'll keep your soul from that trouble. I'll show it to you. Go over to the 12th chapter of the book of Proverbs. A lot of people got themselves in trouble because of their mouth. I know I did many times. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> I don't know who hasn't, to be honest with you. Oh, if I just didn't say that. You got yourself in trouble with your wife many times because you said some things. <laughs> and just the same vice versa, right? Soft answer turneth away wrath, but the grievous words stir up anger. And if you'd have kept your, you know, this here watch, <laughs> a watch over your mouth, then you wouldn't have got all that anger. Or you wouldn't have stirred up anger or strife. Amen? A soft answer would turn away wrath. But no, you didn't listen. So you got your soul in trouble. But thank God your wife was a loving wife and she forgave you. <laughs> 12th chapter, verse 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is what? Now, wait a minute. That word wise stands for wisdom. The light of God's word brings us wisdom. And the tongue of the wise person is what? He knows how to use his tongue. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright. Now, see, it all comes out of here. But let's, let's, let's just go through a few scriptures. 13th chapter, verse 3. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his what? But he that opens wide his lips shall have what? See, keeping your mouth will keep your life. But keeping your mouth wide open, it'll bring destruction on you. Some people had calamity and destruction. They didn't know where it came from. Well, there it is. Whoso keepeth his mouth keepeth his soul from troubles. If you keep your lips and your mouth, you'll keep your life. Now, we're talking about life and death. But whoso opens wide his lips shall have what? Okay, we sh we've shown you already that you're taken captive by the words of your mouth. You keep yourself from trouble by the words of your mouth. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Over here, the tongue of the wise is what? Health. Healing. Healing comes by the words of your mouth. Over this next one says, destruction comes or life comes by the words of your mouth. I think we could sum it all up in Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the what? Of the tongue. Now, all these scriptures are true. Every single one of them. But let's go back to the 32nd Psalm. I'm going to show you something that the Spirit of God slipped in on me. I enjoyed it when I saw it. I like to get more light on these subjects. I'll share them with you as we get them. In the 32nd Psalm, let's start with verse 6. See, some people don't believe this, but we're coming around to you yet. You just sit tight and you'll learn. Over here in the 32nd Psalm, verse 6. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Now notice it's going to talk about his being the refuge. Thou shalt preserve, salvation means preservation, preserve me from what? See, the refuge and the hiding place is found in His Word, and we're going to show you what He's saying here. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble, thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Notice all the words, deliverance, trouble, hiding place. Selah, think about it. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way. See, we want to know the way to go, right? Wisdom is finding God's path and the way to go in the time of adversity. Listen, he's saying, Now, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which you should go. I will guide you with mine eye. He's going to give us guidance. But, look at the next verse. 
Be ye not as the horse or as the mule. Now, I don't want to say anything out here, but if you don't believe on this, now you just got to, you know, watch what he's saying here. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto you. Lest what? The water, the troubled waters of adversity. Don't be without understanding as the mule and as the horse. That they got to put a bit in that mouth to get them out of trouble. You put the bit in your own mouth and stop it from coming at you. When the waters of adversity come by, you put that bit in your own mouth. Then the Bible says, He that bridled not his tongue, this man's religion is vain. But the man that bridles his tongue, the same as a perfect man, enabled bridle the whole body. See? And we're going to show you how to get not only the deliverance that comes by you speaking the word, but we're going to show how it works with angels being involved. But don't be someone who doesn't believe any of this, because if you don't believe any of this, you're going to find yourself in the category of Romans 3, 3 and 4. So let's go there and find out what it says. Now, the person that doesn't believe this is never going to see the salvation of God. They're never going to see it. And I say see it, I don't just mean physically see it. They're not going to see it in the spirit with their understanding. See, I, I, I talk about this all the time with even ministers. And they say, I don't believe that confession business. I don't believe in that talking God's word positively and thinking that your trouble is going to go away. But see, they don't understand it. But you know what? We're to walk by faith, and faith involves confession. Because faith involves the confession of God's Word, right? Okay. The faith of God must be believed. Let's go to Romans 3. 3. Look, look what it says over here. But what if some did not believe? Will that make the faith of God of none effect? God forbid. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar. That you may be justified in your what? In your what? Justified in your what? Did you know that Jesus said, By thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned? Justified in your words. By your words you are justified, by your words you are condemned. By your words you are snared, by your words you are delivered. By your words you become sick, by your words you have healing. By your words you have destruction, by your words, by your words you save your life. Isn't that what all these scriptures are saying? Now, you ready for this scripture? How many of you want to see the salvation of God? 50. 50th Psalm, verse 23. I must say it again because I think it's a classic. We get these songs and start to sing them. And we get so caught up in the, in the song that we don't find out what the, word is, what the scriptures are saying. That's the only thing wrong with, with singing scripture. I love singing scripture. But sometimes it just becomes intellectual. See, we begin to worship just with the word and say, I can quote it. Now, we got a song here that, that in the 50th Psalm, verse 23, that says, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the what? Now, look what he's saying, though. Whoso offers praise glorifies me. Praise, you must listen is the highest expression of your faith. Praise is the highest expression of your faith. You are praising Him with His Word. Praise for your deliverance. Let's say uh, sickness or disease has attached itself to your body. And you begin to say, Praise your Father God that with His stripes I am healed. You're offering Him the sacrifice. It's a sacrifice when you're racked with pain and you're standing there saying, Praise you Father God. How many of you ever wanted to praise God when you was just, just about to fall over with sickness and disease? I mean, you're moping around the house, you know, trying to get your wife to do something for you. I mean, it's all through your body. You're attacked with it. You don't know what to do. You just want to just go flop on your bed or get in a hot tub. Oh, you just really feel like you're shouting glory, right? No, it's a sacrifice to praise God. Whoso offereth praise will glorify me. So when you offer God praise, your Heavenly Father prays. In the time of adversity and trouble, you'll begin to glorify the Father God. 
Praise is the highest expression of your faith. You are showing that you believe in adverse circumstances that His Word is ultimate truth. And you don't care what your body says, His Word is truth. That's a sacrifice. But, you know what he went on to say in the next part of that verse? Whoso ordereth. Now, this word order is not for any of you waitresses out there. This word ordereth is like a command. Like in the army. I order you to do this and that. It's an order. Whoso ordereth his conversation aright. Now, in that conversation, that word is the course of life. And we found out that by the course of life, he's talking about your tongue, basically. Because death and life are in the power of what? So the person that orders, you know that tongue doesn't want to shut up? It doesn't. Your tongue doesn't want to be quiet. It wants to talk about this, that, and the other thing. And I mean, everybody gets into that. And it just, just wants to keep right on going. And the Bible says that no man can tame that tongue of his. Thank God for an unknown tongue, speaking in other tongues. Right? But the person that orders his tongue, his life, his conversation, his course of life, aright, will I show the salvation of God. So the psalmist said, He is my light. He is my what? Salvation. And that salvation comes on the wings of the confession of God's Word by angels. By the ministry of angels. Now, are you ready for it? Hebrews, the first chapter. Is this something that the book of Revelation tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony? See, not only are we cleansed by the blood, but it's the word of our testimony that brings our salvation or deliverance in the time of our trouble. It releases the power of God. It releases the ability and ministry of angels. And I'm going to show you clearly how it works. In the first chapter, verse 14, we'll read some scriptures here first. He said, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them that shall be heirs of salvation? Heirs of what? All right. Therefore, because angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us who are heirs of salvation, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received the just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great what? He's not talking about someone dying and going to hell. He's talking about somebody neglecting the ministry of angels. He's talking about somebody neglecting the ministry and deliverance that comes by the way of angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth the minister for us who are heirs of salvation? How many of you here today are an heir of salvation? Amen. All right. Now, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us? For uh, Not to us. For us. That are heirs of salvation? Well, then how are we going to escape? In other words, how are we going to escape all the calamity and the troubles and the persecutions and all the things that are coming around us? If we neglect the ministry of angels, if we neglect so great, uh, and the word salvation is that all-inclusive word, deliverance, preservation, soundness, wholeness, and healing. How are we going to escape it? Well, it's a good question. That's why many people have not escaped it. That's why people's finances are, are bound up. That's why people's businesses are bound up. That's why a lot of us have missed out on our healing. The Bible says that the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in His wings. And He sends Him forth on a wing of an angel. I'll show it to you in God's Word. But let's, let's back up here and show you how it works with your confession first. Go back up to the 91st Psalm. And just keep that thought in mind there. We'll get back to this as we go along. In the 91st Psalm, I want to show you that the angels are involved, first of all, in your deliverance. And then we'll show you how... They work with your confession of God's Word to bring your deliverance to you. In the 91st Psalm, notice it's the Psalm of Refuge. It's the Psalm of Protection. It's the, it's the Psalm of Dwelling in the Secret Place of the Most High. Over here in verse, I believe, 9, he said, Because you made the Lord God, which is your refuge, even the Most High, your habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither any plague shall come nigh your dwelling. 
Why? Because He's given His angels charge over you. Right? He's given His angels charge over you. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Isn't that what it says? Okay. The angels have charge over you to keep you in all your ways. To keep you in all your what? The angels have charge over you, which is why no evil will befall you and no plague come nigh your dwelling. Now hold your... Well, turn, turn from there. Go to the 34th Psalm, verse 7. Let's tie these two scriptures together. Not only are the angels ministering spirits, the angels have charge over you, but look at this scripture. I'll tell you what. It's devastating. 34th Psalm, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear Him and does what? To do what? See, it's the same word. Deliverance is, is, is the same word. Salvation. But the angel of who? Of the Lord. Now, the definition we gave you for the fear of the Lord, if you'll remember, we studied it out, is you keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile, right? So the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that watches their work, keeps their tongue from evil and their lips from speaking guile. So the angels are involved and the angel of the Lord is involved in delivering you from adversity and trouble. Now listen. 103rd Psalm, which is right over, verse 20. 103rd Psalm, verse 20. I'll show you that the angels cooperate with our confession of God's Word to stop and still the avenger and bring our deliverance, our salvation, our finances, anything you need, whatever it is that is yours, provided for you. Healings. Everything. 103rd Psalm, verse 20. Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments. Hearkening unto the voice of what? Hearkening unto the voice of God's Word. Who gives voice to God's Word in the earth? We do. I'm supposed to speak God's Word. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. I am to speak God's Word. Angels hearken unto the voice of His Word. When you speak that word, I want you to begin, get to recognize the fact that an angel's going right then. I'll show it to you in Ecclesiastes. Go to the book of Ecclesiastes. Which is right after the book of Proverbs. Fifth chapter. He's talking about the words of your mouth. I'll show you that the words of your mouth will either provoke the angel or the words of your mouth will loose the angel. And the power of binding and loosing is on the earth, right? Okay, look at what it says here. I'll just read to you verse 2 first, then we'll go down to verse 6 because I want to get it, all this in. You can read it in between yourself. Be not rash with your mouth. Let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. You're upon the earth. Therefore, let your words be how many? Verse 6, Suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin. Now look at this next part. Neither say thou before the angel. Don't you dare say before the angel it was an heir. Wherefore, should God be angry at your what? You think he's angry at the voice that speaks God's word? That would be foolish, wouldn't it? No, he's angry at the voice that utters things before the angel. That's error. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. That evil and calamity didn't come from God. Don't you say that before your angel. Don't you say God caused that destruction to come your way. Don't you say that God was doing that to teach you a lesson. Don't you say that. Not before your angel. God will be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands. Now, you ready? I'm going to show, I'm going to show you this out in Scripture. Go back to the book of Ex, Exodus, verse 23. Chapter 23, verse 20 through 23. We'll read a little bit further than that because I want to show you some meat. Get your steak knives out. Amen? Get off the bottle. Hallelujah. See, God gets angry at your voice when you speak against His Word. And when you're saying you can't pay the bills, beloved, you're speaking against His Word because He said, I provide everything for you according to my riches and glory. Amen? Listen. You bound up your angels and, and you stop them from bringing it, bringing it in. Let me show you what it did to them. You think, you think He's kidding, but I'll show you what it did to them. Verse 20. 
Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in what? What did he say that will keep you in all your ways? The angels. Okay, look. And to bring you to the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Now look at this. Don't provoke him. Provoke him not. For he will not pardon your what? Every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward against an angel. If the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall you escape? If you neglect not the word of an angel, but the word of the Son of God. That's what he's saying. Okay, look what he said here. Obey his voice, don't provoke him. He'll not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you'll indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto your enemies, an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel shall go before thee and bring thee to, under the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the, and the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow, to, bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works. But thou shalt utterly overthrow them, and quite break down their images. <clears throat> now look at this. And you shall serve the Lord your God. Number one, He will bless your bread. <clears throat> Number two, and, and your water. Number two, I will take sickness and disease away from the midst of thee. Glory to God. See, you provoked your angels. Look what it says. This was the promise if they got there. Okay? It's your promise if you'll get there too. Look what he said. There shall nothing cast their young. No miscarriages, whether children or whether animals. Nor be barren. No male nor female. Barren in the land. The number of thy days. Long life will I fulfill. But when they got to the land of promise... And if you know the story, which we will cover, not now, but in the next part of this series. When they got to the land of promise and the angel went before them and they were right there and spied out the land and the report came back. Ten spies said, we can't do it because they're too big for us. Two spies said, we can do it because God's on our side. The children of Israel listened to the, and hearkened to the voice of those that spoke against the angel and against his strength to defeat the enemy and said, we can't go in. And so because they said we couldn't go in, what happened? They did not go into the promised land. They did not get the land flowing with milk and honey. They did not get their bread and water blessed. They did not get into a place where sickness and disease would, would be separated from them and no one would be barren or cast their young and long life. But what did they get, you might say? Well, the Lord said, as you have spoken out of your own mouth into my own ears, so will I let it be done unto you. Then he said, I'll be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands. You know what happened? They all died in the wilderness. You know why? Because they said, you brought us out here to die. Provoke the angel, provoke God. They all died in the wilderness as you've spoken in my ears. You know what happened to the ten spies? They died before the Lord by the plague because they provoked their angel. Now I'm going to show you something. How serious this is. Over in... I was going to go to Luke. Well, I'll just say that. I'll just say this to you. We'll go to Second Chronicles and find this while I'm reiterating this. Second, the book of Second Chronicles, the 32nd chapter. Now, the angel of the Lord went before them for the purpose of driving out the inhabitants of the land... So that they could go in there and take the land of promise and live in that land that flows with milk and honey and live before God without sickness or disease. Is that what it said? That's what it said. But when they got to the promised land, they were confronted with trouble. The trouble, the giants looked bigger than God to them because it was in the physical sense. And they said, we can't get into the land. Provoked the angel. The angel would not fight for them. And I'm going to give you a little bit of insight before we get into it. Even when they got there, before, you know, to the land, the book of Joshua tells us already that all the inhabitants of the land conceded the land over to the Israelites. Already. They already did that. Yet there they were, saying, we can't do it. We can't get in. And even though they conceded the land over to them, they didn't enter into their own promised land. And that's the same with us today. But you remember the story in, in uh, Luke's Gospel, the first chapter, where... Zacharias was told by the angel Gabriel that you will have a child and you're going to call his name John the Baptist. 
Elizabeth shall give birth in her old age. And he began to laugh before the angel and said, oh, Now how in the world is this going to be? I'm an old man, etc., etc., etc. And the angel of the Lord said, Do you want to get smart before me? He says, I'll shut your mouth dumb until it comes to pass. And he was struck with dumbness. See, people think that when they say things about God, like I said, like God did this to me, God did that to me, that that's, well, that's okay. If you really believe God did that to you, or if you think He did this or made that calamity, I'm going to tell you something right now. When you talk like that, you provoke your angels. When you talk like that, God is angry at your voice. I'll never say God caused my calamity. I don't care for any purpose because the Word of God says don't do it. Especially because your angel's right there all the time. He laughed at that word of Gabriel and said, this is ridiculous. You don't laugh before someone who's brought the word of the Lord to you because he said every transgression and disobedience will receive a just recompense of reward. And you know what his reward was? I will shut your mouth so no words come out until this child's born because your big mouth will stop the operation of my system. That's what he, in essence, that's what he said. When did he get his, when did he get his speech back? When he said, his name's John. They said, Who are you gonna, what are you going to call this child? Zacharias II, Jr.? No. Well, what are you going to name this child? You know, Elizabeth said, John. There's no kid after you named John. Let's go see Zacharias. What are you going to call this child? Give me a pad. He wrote it down. His name shall be called John. And immediately, his mouth was open. His tongue was loosed that he could speak. Provoked the angel. He received his just recompense of reward for his transgression. And that's why calamity comes upon people because they have lack, of, they have lack knowledge of God's word. They think it's okay to say God does, does this or doesn't do that. And, but that's not right. And you'll find out that people get into a lot of calamities and troubles because they do it before their angel. Now, let's go to a place. I'm going to show you something. In 2 Chronicles here, we'll begin reading with verse 31. But remember, Mary was confronted by the same angel... Matter of fact, let me say this before we go here. Mary was confronted by the same angel. Am I right? Gabriel spoke to Mary. He didn't just say, Mary, uh, you're going to have a child, you know, just because you're married and you and your husband are going to have a child since you're in your old age. I mean, you think it was hard for her to believe because she was an old woman, right? That she's going to have a child. You think that's hard for her to accept. How about a virgin? How about a virgin? An angel, Gabriel, telling you as a virgin, you're going to have a child. How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. I think that's a very legitimate question. I mean, you couldn't get any more sense knowledge than that. She had a very legitimate question, did she not? How can this possibly be? Seeing she did not doubt it. She just wanted to know how. But you see, Zacharias laughed. He explained it to her. See, when you cooperate with an angel, he'll tell you things. He says, well, the power of the Almighty shall overshadow you, the Holy Ghost. And that thing that shall be conceived in thee shall be called the Son of God. Son of the Most High. You know what she said? She didn't say, laugh. She said, be it unto me according unto your word. And when she spoke that out of her mouth, she conceived in her womb the Son of the living God. Which is far greater to believe than just being an old woman can conceive a child. She had to conceive a child without a husband and believe the word of the angel. And she took that word. Be unto me according to the word. That's as far as sense knowledge as you can get, my friends, to believe that you could be impregnated without a man by the word of God. Now, over here, I want to show you where deliverance comes. To angels by the word. Now, we said angels and also we said the angel of the Lord. Remember both of them. After these things and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came unto, uh, and entered unto Judah. This is verse 1. And encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. This man was a great warrior and he was taken over all the cities. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come and he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes of his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city and they did help him. So there were gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains in the brook and so on and so forth. Then go up to verse 6. Now this king's going to come and destroy Judah. He said over here, and he set the captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate and of the city and spake comfortably to them saying, Be strong and courageous, be not afraid or dismayed for the king of Syria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. 
He said, fear not and don't be afraid. Do you remember when Elijah, when Elisha was at Dothan and uh, the armies surrounded him round about to utterly destroy him and his servant? And the servant greatly feared and said, Lord, how is it, how is it going to be with us? What are we going to do? And Elisha said, Lord, I, he says, first of all, he said to him, there be more that be with us than there be with them. There's more on our side than on their side. And he looks out there and said, dear, I see a bunch of armies out here. He said, there's more on our side than there be with them. Lord opened up his eyes. And when he opened up his eyes, he saw all the angels round about them to deliver them. Remember that? Look what this king said. First thing he told his servant was to fear not. King Hezekiah said, Be strong and courageous, be not afraid. In verse 7. Nor dismayed, be not fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Nor dismayed for all the king of Assyria, nor for the multitude that is with them. For there be more with us than there be with them. How do you know that? With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us. And to fight our battles, he said he'd do it. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Now note this. This Sennacherib is going to start his mouth. After this did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, send his servants to Jerusalem. But he himself laid seed against Lachish. And all, the po- all his power with him and to Hezekiah, king of Judah. And unto all Judah that were at Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith Sennacherib, king of Assyria, Whereon do you trust that ye abide in this siege in Jerusalem? Does not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God shall deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Had not Hezekiah taken away his high places and the altar, his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, We shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it? Know you not? Let, check this out. This is the devil talking. Don't you know what I and my fathers have done unto all the people of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands anyways able to deliver them, deliver their lands out of my hand? This is King Sennacherib. Who was there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people out of my hand? That your God should be able to deliver you out of my hand? They thought that the God of Israel was just another God. Well, let's go on. Now, therefore, let not Hezekiah deceive you nor persuade you on this manner, neither, uh, neither yet believe him, for no God of any nation or any kingdom is able to deliver his people out of my hand and out of the hand of my fathers. That's the devil. How much less shall your God deliver you out of my hand? His servants spake yet more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. You should not speak against God the Father, the God of Israel. He also wrote letters to rail on the Lord, God of Israel. Listen to that. And to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people out of my hand, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of my hand. And they cried with a loud voice in the Jews' speech unto the people of Jerusalem that were on the wall to affright them, to trouble them, to trouble them, to trouble them, to trouble them. He's, the devil's all around you to bring trouble to you. That they might take the city. And they spake against the God of Jerusalem and against the gods of the people of the earth, which were the work of the hands of man. And for this cause, Hezekiah, the king of the prophet of king and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried to heaven. And the Lord sent what? Hold your place right there very quickly. Find Second Kings 18, 19 rather. Let's see it together. <coughs> Who did the Lord send? <clears throat> Second Kings 19 and hold your place there and go back alright we're going to look at 35 and 36 go back to Second Chronicles and the Lord sent an angel would cut off the mighty men of valor and the leaders and the captains in the camp of the king of Assyria the Lord sent an angel right because Hezekiah spoke God's words right Okay, go back to 2 Kings now. Look at this. Verse 35 and 36. It came to pass. Same, it's the same thing. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out. That's the angel he sent. The angel of the Lord that's encamped round about you to deliver you. And the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred, four score and five thousand. In other words, a hundred and eighty-five thousand men were destroyed by the angel of the Lord. And when they arose early in the morning... Behold, they were all dead corpses, 
And Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. Speaking God's word in the midst of adversity with the angel that's around you and not speaking against him, but speaking God's word will cause the angel of the Lord to stand on your behalf. And the angel of the Lord destroyed 185,000 men with one shot. But if you provoke him, God will be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hand. Now, I've got to close it here, but I want to say this. You get God's word in your heart and mouth, and that angel will take heed unto the words you speak. And if he's got anything he's got to do, he's going to do it to protect you and to cause deliverance and salvation to come your way to bring in your finances, to get in all the healing, to bring in everything you need to put you over in every time of trouble and adversity. That's how God's Word system works in deliverance and salvation. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.